Hi everybody, my name is uh, Kevin Warraft and I'm here with a very uh, great friend of mine. He's a member of the NYDM. Um, he's the lead singer of Possessed, Jeff Becerra. So, um, please tell me, um, how you, uh, put Possessed together as a band and how many albums do you have out? Okay, well, uh, uh, the first part's easy, well, actually it's kind of a, um, kind of a two-part question. Like, in 78, 79, I, uh, started a band called Marauder with, uh, Larry Lalonde and uh, Mike Minor. Actually, that was kind of, was, uh, Mike Minor was probably the most senior musician. He went on to join um, Blind Illusion as a drummer and uh, several other really, um, worthy, noteworthy pro projects. He, he actually just went to Mr. Bungle show with me as my personal guest, but we were best friends and um, we didn't really know Larry, but he was kind of a quiet guy. And he had long hair and he was always wearing rocker shirts. So we were like, we, we heard he played guitar, and he was always carrying his guitar around. And so, sight unseen, we never actually heard him play, but we asked him to be in the band. Uh, I At that time, I started with drums at like, probably like four or five years old, I started playing drums. And uh, then I went to classical guitar, and then whenever I started um, listening to like UFO and all that, I, I got a... a, a, a um, a Seville, it was like a Les Paul copy guitar, but it was a really high quality co uh, copy guitar. In fact, it plays a lot better than a lot of my modern um, Les Pauls, now that I think about it. Never had any problem with that. But it was a black, and I, so I was playing, you know, I had every intention of, of being a, 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 a heavy metal or a guitarist or a rock and roll guitarist. And, um, you know, uh, Remember, this is still uh, this is still in the '70s. So, um, so anyways, uh, so we did Marauders, and we turned into Blizzard. And I wrote our, my first single called Hellraiser with a Z. It's H E L L R A Z O R. I thought that was really um, um, clever, but those were actually the um, those were actually the um, the uh, the lyrics to uh, Burning in Hell. And uh, anyway, so um, we were in that and we did a bunch of gigs um, with like, uh, I think we played Exodus, we played Pre-Exodus, which was Outrage. Outrage was, is famous because, uh, you know, Kurt Cannot was in there. Uh, a lot, it like groomed a lot of the Exodus people before Exodus. So it's, it's almost like the first step of Exodus, just like uh, Marauder and Blizzard was the first step of Possessed. Anyway, so me and Larry played, and we did that for several years. We, we ended up, um, my sister got us our first real gig, which was essentially using a piece of plywood on the front lawn of a um, cater party. We played it for the older kids. They're, they were like bikers, like my sister's friends, you know, like they were like what we call pods, or oh, they were from Sobrani. They were like kind of biker, you know, like stoner kids, you know, and, um, and so we played a bunch of Sabbath, and they really liked us. We were little, little kids, like very little kids, you know, 12, 13 years old, 12 years old, probably 11 or 12. I think 11, Larry was probably 11. And, uh, and uh, 
get your shit and go. And uh, Debbie had bought all the stuff, and even though we were gigging, for some reason, under Debbie, we never actually worked off our equipment, and we never got paid any money. And we just, she bought us the equipment, and then we never got paid, ever. And, and so uh, it was crazy. I had to leave all my bases and everything with the roadie, and... It's the same kind of feeling as when you get divorced. It's really fucked up, and you're trying like, like your heart is broken. So I was like, well, fuck them, right? And uh, I didn't know what I was gonna do. I'm the kind of guy who's lost with the band. I was going out with um, this girl Pam Franklin back then. She later became Miss Bikini Pennsylvania, so she was super fine. And uh, Foxy Chicken, and we were in I think it was ninth grade or whatever. And I was leaning against lockers and. Uh, and with Pam was leaning in you know, on my front side. We were leaning, she was leaning on my chest. And uh, I seen these like older kids all dressed up in like black leather and boots and long ass hair. And, and uh, they were approaching me. And initially, I, you know, because I had no problem with fighting or anything, I thought they were going to fuck with me because you know, a lot of people try to fuck with you when you have a fine girl. But they came up to me and they were like, Are you Jeff Sarah? And I was like, What of it? And they were like, uh, Do you play bass? I was like, yeah, and they were like, well, can you come check us out? And so um, uh, I went and checked them out, and uh, they had like six songs, uh, rough, super rough songs, like like no bass parts. It was just drums, and um, he had uh, what he did is he played a scratch guitar to a little one-speaker Marshall into a cassette Walkman, and he gave me those six songs. I took them home, I learned them, and cleaned up what I could, and. and and uh, and then it, it, you know, if you know anything about rough songs when you put bass or drums, the whole rhythm section comes right, and it really starts forming a song. So what was really rough started really shaking out, and they noticed that. I learned all the songs in one day, either six six songs I think, it was almost or seven songs. It was almost a, a lot of the seven church stuff. And uh, and I learned it in the day. I, I didn't have any equipment, so I went to Radio Shack and I bought two 15-inch speakers and two horns. I built some um, PA-style cabinets, and uh, I used my guitar gallon cooter, uh, 400RG guitar head, and uh, and uh, my my first um, C-series bass. When I tried out, I got the gig, and then um, they were like, do you sing? And I was like, yeah, I just kind of lied. And, uh, and I could show you, know, then we had several conversations on what we wanted to do. We all were into heavy shit. We all were into heavy shit. And it was really like a dream come true because I hadn't been looking to go heavier. And Trail was a driving force of real heaviness, right? And Trail was like on fire with bands like Merciful Fate, Venom, Exodus, and um, Raven, uh, you know, stuff like that. And so was I. We were all, you know, I was listening to KUSF already. And, and, and I was listening to Punk and Fame. And we had a discussion about just becoming the fastest, heaviest band in the world. And and we already had these songs that were already immensely heavy. When I put my vocals on it, um, it just felt natural, like, just to distort the fuck out of them. The, the first tapes, I wish I still had those, where I was singing, like, The Exorcist and, and Saint's Curse. Uh, I sang, and I was really, it was more like, um, like, a, more, way more cookie monsters, like a, more like brutal death metal, it was super, super low and growly, and they were like, uh, that's a little too heavy, could you calm it down a little bit? So that possessed became my calmed down voice with 
that, um, and, and so, uh, you know, we, we started gigging around. We, we started gathering steam. I mean, initially people didn't understand what we were doing. We got a lot of people like laughed at us, didn't dig us. But we had our punk rock friends that would be up in the front row pit, and, and we gathered steam really fast. We offered the metal masker. Within, I guess they had been a band for years and years, but within you know, nine months of me joining, uh, I, we had signed the Metal Rascal 6. We recorded three of the actual Brian Slagle on um, Metal Blade on that um, compilation album. Then from that, we got um, signed on to Combat. We, we, we put a, um, a ad in the area magazine. We got Brian Montana, and we were gigging all over the place by, uh, by um, maybe it's 283 in uh, recording and tape trading. And um, and we had established a brother quest out called Death Metal. We were going to be heavier than everybody else. We were going to be completely different. We were going to be the antithesis, the, the anti-closure band, and where all bands fell short of you know calling themselves heavy. We were going to be the real deal heavy. We were satanic, and we were going to just freak everybody out and just be monsters. That's exactly what we did. Uh, for some reason, Mike and, and Mike Trail and, and Brian Montana didn't get along. And even though I really liked Brian Montana, I used to, as a political boy to go back and get Larry because I really wanted to get Larry. And um, for, you know, part revenge and to get my equipment back, part, part you know, because Larry and I had always been together. And so um, when I came back, I, Larry's a really upward mover. So when I came back, I approached Debbie. I said, listen, we have an album contract or a single on Metal Play. Uh, you know, look, I got this band. We're going places. Look at what you, you guys are doing. They're dropping acid and going to Grateful Dead shows. So the deal was that I got Larry. Larry would take guitar lessons and grow his hair out. And, uh, and um, I would get the band room back. I would get the kick Blizzard out. And Debbie would be the manager. So... You know, I went down and I went back and just like they kicked me out, I interrupted their band practice and said, this is now possessed band, bring me your shit and go. And so I got revenge, I got Larry back, I got Debbie as a manager, I got the band room, and I got my heavy band on like a few fell political moves. You know, it was really great. That's how possessed started. So in many ways, it was Mike Trail and Mike Seuss playing in a cover band for years and years. And then me and me, we went heavy. You know, we all kind of had like a come to Satan moment. But Mike was wanting to go heavy. I was wanting to go heavy. And then in other ways, it was a continuation of uh, of uh, Marauder and um, and um, Blizzard because um, it was the two younger guys, me and Larry Lalonde, with and the two older guys from their world, which was separate than ours. Even though we lived in the same town, we were from very different circles because they were older than us, like four years older than us. So um, it was really hard to get there in because Mike was like, Mike and Mike were like, no, because then it'll be the young guys against the old guys. But I, I needed to have um, somebody on my side so we could have some political sway. And, and you know, bands are very much politics, and kind of that band was very, um, you had to have some power behind your place to even get anything on done so so it worked out really well it was kind of like everybody was always um me and larry got along i got along pretty good with mike susan and mike trail but there was always like a lot of tension and i think that's what drove the first possessed and i think ultimately that's what um why they left too is because it was a lot of stress and um tension and uh and stuff like 
Long story short, that's how it was formed. Okay, um, so... Sorry, I didn't need to talk that much. Okay, so I have another question. Um, you um, are part of the NYDM. When did you uh, join them? Uh, did you know uh, Will from, from uh, Mortician, or was it something else? I did not. I, um, I grew up, well, we grew up, you all know, we're street gangs. We either grew up to be... Uh, like uh, work at the oil refinery, uh, you know, it um, was a blue collar. Uh, you know, my heroes were people like uh, you know the Hell's Angels and and uh, and Randy Rose and Ozzy and Sabbath and UFO and you know some people went in the kind of the, the, that kind of stoner biker gang uh, gang member street street gang route, and I went the musical route, but I was liked clubs and uh, gangs and uh, I always liked colors and and since um, I couldn't ride motorcycles and uh, and uh, I um, I saw uh, I saw and, and also you know I wanted to, I wanted to be in like a brotherhood I saw the colors I saw what NYDM was doing I just stumbled into it online and this was probably like a, like two or three years after NYDM started it was a long time ago and so I contacted, I reached out to Will and asked him what it took. And he, um, he grandfathered me in and just sent me a patch and came and, and put me in charge of San Francisco State, uh, San Francisco Bay Area. And so um, I think what he thought it would be like, like, you know, I'd just be like kind of a token member. But then I think he was really surprised to see that I was really on fire. I was really working hard to build up my chapter. and. And I ended up um, doing so well that he gave me California. And later on, um, like Will used to deal with everything. And when Will put, uh, when Randall took uh, charge of the day-to-day, -day, I ended up getting the, um, well, no, I mean, before that, uh, Will gave me the West Coast or the Wild West region. Then I, um, then uh, Randall, uh, I bumped up to the Savage Council. Oh, no, the International Council. And then the Savage Council, and then he may be an international captain. So I made fourth highest rank in the world. And then I spent like that out 15 or so years. I don't know exactly how long. It's been a long time. And uh, so, yeah, I love being one year. It's, it's a family. It's like, um, well, everybody else argues over politics and drama. Uh, you know, we are away from that. It's, some, it's, a, it's a bastion of civilization and, and family and brotherhood. Uh, in, uh, you know, in the middle of, you know, the civilian madness. Okay, um, I have a few more questions. Um, what happened that you are, uh, disabled? I mean, you, you, um, had some kind of accident where, like, you are you know, disabled and you're in a wheelchair. Why did that happen? Oh, well, it wasn't so much an accident. As I got shot by two different guns. And uh, I went to work. It was, okay, um, to continue on that story, um, we were there for like four years, or, you know, a few years I was with uh, the original Possessed. Uh, we toured pretty extensively. We were touring with Slayer. We did the 
Sarah's first and second albums consecutively, with our first and second albums in the United States, and we were playing with Megadeth and Suicidal and Corrosion and Conformity and Anthrax and uh, just so many bands, like all the um, Bay Area and Southern California bands, and and all over we were playing with the Mentors and Fang, and you know we were really growing up, and um, and I thought everything was Hunt's story, but. If you know anything about touring, touring is very hard. You either love it or you hate it. It's like the hardest job in the world. It's very difficult. It's hard on the body. It's hard on you mentally and physically. And if you don't absolutely love it, it's very challenging. And it, and it breaks a lot of people. And I think I, after a while, it was so hot and heavy that um, that Mike and Mike, well, Larry, what, what was a, a, a two-factor deal. Um, okay, hold on. Let me see what, what the question was okay so anyway so um uh this is i'm gonna get to when i got shot but one day we came to practice everyone's kind of moving around i was like what's up we're gonna practice and, and mike was like well larry's quitting he's going to blind illusion and we don't want to play anymore and i was like what and uh they were like you know it's just too much you know we just want to normalize and i'm like want to live the normal life and, and i remember just begging him to stay we were going so well i, I mean if we would have been together, we've probably been like so much bigger. But and I understood when Larry wanted to go with Les because you know that Les we all idolized Les. He was a really great bass player, and that makes sense. And uh, although you know I was possessed by, and I couldn't understand why the Mike wanted to quit. They gonna say they wouldn't, and so I have to respect their decision because I, you know every man has their journey, and I have to respect that. Not every guy wants to wake up and. You know, being in a state county death metal band, I happen to live that life and, and love it. And there's nothing wrong with any direction that, you know, everybody has their own path, and, and I respect that. And um, there's nothing wrong with that. But yet, before I could reform, um, I was doing concrete to keep my head above water, and I've been doing concrete construction with my father since I was like, you know, a little kid. And so um, on the way, I'd work 13 hours on the way home, I stopped to get back cigarettes and, and coming out of the, I guess I flashed 100, I had about $1,300 on me, which wasn't unusual. And when I came out to um, guys and hoods and like little, like ninja outfits, you know, masks and came up, you know, your fucking money. And I kind of resisted, I should have just handed it over. And uh, the guy shot me, he pushed that nine millimeter into my chest really hard and shot. And it smacked through the ribs and spattered the, uh, the ribs and, and shattered the lung and stuck on the inside of my spinal cord, uh, uh, vertebrae T3. Really? Which, which is right um, at tip level, it's at your nipple level. So I have a bullet stuck on the inside of my spine behind my heart, just barely missed. Wow. So that kind of knocked the wind out of me and dropped my legs. On the way down, it's like almost a knee-jerk reaction. The second gunman was covering me, so I couldn't run for about 15 feet away with a 22 revolver. And I think that the first shot, and I kind of knew this was going to happen because it's not the first time I've had a gun play at me. And so it was like when the first guy shot, it was like the second guy immediately shot. It was like pop, pop, like, like a knee-jerk reaction, kind of like it scared him, and he shot which was really dangerous because his buddy was right next to me, so I don't know what the fuck he was thinking. And I put my hand up to block it because he was shot at my forehead, and I saw him raise the gun up, and I, you know, instinctively put my right hand up in front of it, and it and it, it hit my ring finger on my right hand, and uh, and 
and it deflected. My ring finger it just popped off backwards. It was hanging by a piece of skin. Oh. The 22 was right by my ear. So I, I think I, I may have deflected the bullet from hitting my forehead. So then I just hit the ground and, and blood was squirting out of my finger and, and fucking smoke was coming out of my chest. It smelled like steak and got the wind knocked out of me. I couldn't move my legs and I... I didn't know what to do, so I just kind of played dead, and uh, he put the gun to my head, and it fucking jammed. I guess the criminals don't know how to, they don't clean their guns that well, um, automatic weapons. So he smacked the side of it a couple of times, and it didn't work, and then he ran off, and as they ran off, and unjammed, they were just shooting over your shoulders, like, boop, 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 boop. and it was like, we're shooting all big bullets all around me, I was like, oh, fuck. So when they ran off, I kind of, like, cracked my armpit as a tourniquet to stop the bullet, it was squirting out of my fucking beard like that. Like Monty Python, and I, I scooched under the, this car and just waited there for like, know, 40, 45 minutes until this little black girl came walking by and she's like, Are you okay, Mr. I was like, You gotta call 911. She's like, I can't, I live here. I said, I'll give you 10 bucks. She's like, 10 bucks? So I reached in and gave her a bloody $10 bill. I said, Good thing they didn't get my money. And then uh, about 20 more minutes, a like, uh, single cop came pull up. It was like a bright redhead rookie pop. At 23, and he was like all freaked out. Like, this is my first solo night. He's like, we'll call an ambulance. He's like, okay. The first time I was glad to see cops, you watched my back till the ambulance came. You know, the rest is history. I went to a rehab and I went through all kinds of dark times and five years of misery. And so I went to college and got, found a beautiful wife and had two beautiful kids. And I went to work for um, a hospital for um, about 11 years. And so they got the band back together finally, so. Um, so I know you're yeah, good. I'm really talking too much, I apologize. No, it's okay. You say whatever you want. Um, I'm friends with your guitarist, uh, Daniel Gonzalez. Um, and uh, he's a really cool guy. I see him at shows okay, um, all the time. Uh, how did you get him into the band? Legitimate guitar players. 
I wanted to create a family, you know, not just a band, but a group of brothers that I really did love as, as like a family. And, and there would be none of that tension and turmoil and bullshit. I mean, there always is, but it would be, you know, it, it would be more like we all get along. So, so I searched and searched and searched. And, oh, wait, I, I forgot the whole first part. The whole first part was I started out with sadistic intent. And we played a few gigs, and we gigged and we toured around Europe and Brazil. And and then after um, a while of that, then um, they decided to, um, we split amicably, so this did their part. And then I held open tryouts. I, I took Emilio, because Emilio was too good to leave behind. And uh, and then we um, were over at Emilio's. And a series, of, we had, you know, like a couple weeks of, of tryouts, and there was a series of people that would stop by and they would try out. A, a, a lot of near misses. A lot of people were just there to meet me, and only knew like the rhythm section of Eyes of Horror. And and I was like, well, why are you here? And I was like, well, I wanted to meet you. <laughs> so, well, so well, I wasn't having a lot of luck. Um, we um, and then um, I was talking on Facebook to this girl named Lindsay Turnbull, and she was like, well, my 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 boyfriend's a really great guitarist. And I was like, thinking in my head, like, I already got these four, right? Like. And, but I really loved Lindsay. We were really close friends, you know. Um, and uh, so I agreed to fly um, her boyfriend out, which turned out to be Dan. And he, from the very first note, Dan was the best guitarist I'd ever played with and possessed. He, was, he knew like 18 songs already. And he was fucking awesome. He, he went to school for engineering and producing. And he was such an asset. So, um, so luckily I got Nan. He came, he was just basically, you know, this, there's a band called Nail Shitter. But for all intents and purposes, I'd never heard of this guy. And he was a nobody. Some kid sat in his room, but, but he, uh, he was, a, he is a phenomenal guitarist. And he always was. And, and he was a, you know, just a really, really lucky find. Then uh, we got Kelly McLaughlin, uh, who's an I Am Morbid now, and he was from uh, Pessimist, and we toured around some more. Um, for whatever reasons, Kelly decided he wanted to live, uh, leave and work on his own life or some personal stuff. I forget what it was, but but then we, um, I put out a call to arms. I asked all my NYDM brothers and sisters and all my friends, like, who's the best fucking guitarist you know? that would for possessed. And like over a hundred people came back with Claudius Kramer. And I was like, I guess I've met him and even played with him back in the day, but I didn't remember him. It's like this guy even sounds like a rock star. So um we flew Claudius out fight unseen and he was also the best guitarist I've ever jammed with, you know. He was equally as good as Dan but in a different way, right? And so I got really lucky. Oh, of course Robert, who we've known forever and so he was a natural fit for bass. He's such a solid bass player. I just was really, really lucky. It was like, it was like the gods and the demons were with me, man. And it all just kind of fell together. I mean, we're talking over 20, like five members later possessed, but so it, it was a long, hard haul. But the way my mind thinks, it always seems like, it always seems like, in my mind, it always feels like I'm starting out. So. So, you know, I enjoy what I do, so it doesn't seem like work, so it, it just seems like the years fly by, you know? Okay, um, 
I have uh, like two or three more questions, and then our interview will be over. Um, so, um, did you know who uh, Chuck Showdiner was? Um, yeah, I, of course. Um, there's a story that I read that, you know, people say, you know, who created, you know, the, the death metal music, you know, who really, uh, created it first, uh, was it you or him? Oh, it was definitely possessed. I mean, my first copyrighted death metal is, uh, 
just like really took the mantle as the second because they were so driven and so uh, articulate and so much of such a large body of work. But their first album, just like Seven Churches, did have a lot of trash undertones. And I, I, I'm under the firm impression that I like those melodies and those rhythms and, um, and I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. As much as I love, you know, all forms of death metal, RCM, I like that old school vibe where, you know, it has the melodies and the, uh, the rhythms and stuff like that. So, you know, Possessed was definitely the first. Anything else is a lie. And, you know, a lot of people tried to, whenever I got shot, it wasn't convenient. You know, they wanted, you know, they wanted to put somebody in that godfather seat. And because I wasn't around, the, 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 the powers that be tried to erase my history. And so when I came back, I was like, what the fuck? Like, I had, like, disappeared. And it wasn't fair. It wasn't fair because, first of all, it's not true. You know, what I did is what I did. And uh, Possessed was very much the first uh, death metal band. And, and I don't like, um, I'm not saying we created all death metal. I'm just saying we were the first. Because, you know, it takes a hell of a lot more than Possessed to create a genre of music. A genre of music has got to be a lot of bands you know, not just possessed and death, it's got to be you know, all the bands more of an angel, Christian, and Janus, and, you know, you know, uh, uh, obituary, and Sepultura, and, you know, because Sepultura was in very early, too, and, uh, and Max was definitely, um, you know, my friend, a, a band, you know, possessed really, you know, I'm not bragging, but the truth is the truth, and I'm proud of that, possessed was very, um, inspiring to a lot of, you know, my peers, and, um, and, and it was exciting to us too because it was so brand new. It, was, it felt revolutionary back then, and and it was so you know it was so much cooler than like all the fucking um, glam shit. And you know it was like the, the antithesis of all of that was commercial. We were like the anti-heroes of the commercial world, like when the Satanic Panic and the PMRC were up there singing about fucking Satan and the Lucifer and playing at a million miles an hour. And back then, it was still possible to be the heaviest band in the world and possessed for oh, at least a year was by far the heaviest band on the planet. And it, it freaked a lot of people out. I mean, Satan was so scary back then. And it was apples and oranges different than thrash or anything else. And possessed was very much the real deal. They're very much dripped in Satan and steeped in lore and really um, singing about the end of the world. And it was it was... Was, was crazy fun times but also a way that and uh, the burgeoning uh, San Francisco Bay Underground with our bands like Exodus and, and, and um, Testament and uh, Mordred Legacy and you know all the punk bands and, and uh, you know all the Metallica Vegas later Slayer came down and uh, but before Slayer came down it was we were younger. I mean, remember, I was only 16 and I was 15 when we recorded Seven Churches. So the way to stand out was to sing heavier and to play heavier and to write heavier, more satanic. And that was our hook. That was our gimmick. And that's what made us stand out, you know, and be different from the rest. Because back then, in order to be part of the revolution, you had to have something to offer. Yeah. Okay. Um... One of my last questions is, um, my friends uh, from Norway, uh, 1349, uh, did a cover song of The Heretic. Um, did they contact you, or 
How did that happen? That was part of the, um, I believe that was, was that part of the, um, uh, the tribute album? No, um. The guys from Sadistic Intent organized a tribute album to Possessed. And, um, and I believe it was, you know, I, I, I'm sure they must have, you know, well, a long time ago. question um so where so um where are you going to tour the rest of the year i know you still got the usa to do uh but um where else are you gonna tour this year Jeff, I really want to thank you for talking to me 
It's an honor um, to talk to you. Um, this is uh, Kevin Warraft of the Kevin Warraft Show. Uh, this is uh, my interview with Jeff Becerra of Possessed. Peace, love, happiness. Uh, don't be a poser. Uh, don't be a bitch. Uh, listen to this interview. Thank you all very much. Um, I will uh, see you soon, Jeff. All right, Kevin, man. Uh, NFL ID, and thank you. I appreciate it. Hopefully I didn't come off like uh, too dark or whatever. I mean, I'm usually um, talking more chipper, but uh, I, yeah, I, I, think, I think it sounded okay, right? Hopefully I wasn't too negative. Uh, no, it, it will uh, sound uh, very cool on that metal station, the radio that I work for, so... Uh, my radio right show will be good with it. Right on, brother. I appreciate your time and efforts, man. It's an honor to be on your show. Thank you. You're welcome, man. Okay? Okay. Okay. Ciao. Ciao, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.